Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Well, good morning, Crossview Church. Welcome to Church Online. We're so thankful to be together today. In our current sermon series, we've been looking at Jesus' famous sermon found in Matthew chapter 5-7, through 7, and it's called the Sermon on the Mount. One of the most incredible aspects of this sermon that Jesus taught is that it continues to be incredibly relevant uh, for us in these days. Over the past three weeks, we've walked through the first part of the sermon and we've, we've taken a look at larger sections along the way. We've talked about the Beatitudes, we've talked about the salt and light metaphors, and last week, we looked at the fact that Jesus came as the fulfillment of God's plan to transform hearts. And so today in the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to look at what Jesus has to say about something that we all deal with on some level. That is anger. This might be one of the most relevant sections in the Sermon on the Mount because to one degree or another, all of us have had to deal with anger Uh, in our lives and in different situations. So just for fun and just to see how much we deal with anger, let's do a little quiz and I'll put these on the screen. Question number one, how often do you yell at other drivers? A, rarely if ever. If you choose this, uh, you are a really forgiving person. Even if people are, are pulling in front of you, your response is peace be with you. B, at least once a day, C, you use your horn more than you use your blinker. Question number two, how often do you complain about food at a restaurant? A, never, I'm too conflict avoidant. That's me, by the way. B, only if it's cold, has hair, or has bugs in it. And C, all the time. Even now, uh, even more now, because it's usually take home or delivery. How about this last one? When you're in the express lane at the grocery store, dot, dot, dot. A, you are always generous. It doesn't matter how many items people have. Or maybe you'd choose B. You count to see if anyone has more than 15 items. Or C, I I call security if it looks like there are coupons involved. (laughs) The express lanes can uh, really bring out some of the best in people, right? (laughs) So how'd you do with that little quiz? That's a little fun uh, that we can have together. But let me ask you this question. How is your anger these days? We've faced a lot of division in our world over the last year, and it's likely that you've experienced moments of increased frustration and anger over something or someone in 2020. If you aren't sure how you're dealing with anger these days, You might ask some of your closest friends, maybe your spouse or your roommate or other family members. They can probably give you some good perspective. So maybe you're asking, so what, Pastor Kyle? What, so what if uh, we're dealing, we're we're angry at times? It's been an incredibly difficult season and and we all have uh, stuff in life to deal with. Now that may be true. But what we find in the next few verses of the Sermon on the Mount is that Jesus has something to teach us about anger and how we deal with our anger because anger actually has all kinds of physical and relational and spiritual consequences. So I want to remind you of the way that we're thinking about the Sermon on the Mount. 
that Jesus is teaching his hearers and us about the kingdom tendencies that define his people. That is, the, the ways we think about the world, the ways we act in the world, and our worldview. He's teach us, teaching us about ways of the kingdom of heaven. It's pretty incredible. So remember the uh, last week, Jesus' teaching reminded his hearers and it reminds us of the rich history that we have as God's people. That God has worked for generations through time and space to develop a DNA of kingdom tendencies in those who follow him. Remember he said in Matthew 5 verse 20, Unless you do far better than the Pharisees in the matters of right living, you won't know the first thing about entering the kingdom. Now, we know some about the Pharisees. They were a group that tried hard to obey all of the commandments and all of the prohibitions outlined in Jewish law. And to some degree, they were really successful at obeying most of these commandments. But Jesus in the Bible compared the Pharisees to whitewashed tombs, meaning that they looked really good and clean and pure on the outside, but on the inside, uh, there was sin and even death. And if you remember last week, the point was that Jesus is after significant heart change in those that follow him. Other people might look at, a life, at the life of a Pharisee and say, oh wow, look at this spiritual person. But for some of them, deep down their heart, in their heart, there was unaddressed and unresolved issues of things like anger. And that can be true of you and I as well. So throughout this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is telling his disciples, it's about more than just doing the right things. It's about real significant change in our heart, our mind, and our actions. So in this case that we're about to read, anger is not just that, uh, as you'll hear Jesus say, it's not just about not murdering people, as the law says. Jesus is going to take it further, and it's about the way that we deal with anger. So here's the truth for us. Internal attitudes lead to external actions, and God cares about both. He wants changed hearts that live out the priorities and tendencies of his kingdom and his plan for the world. And so again, Jesus doesn't disappoint in unsettling his hearers and us today in this passage from Matthew 5, 21 through 26. You have heard uh, that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, uh, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So reading things like this at times, you think, oh, you just want to say, okay, Jesus, now this, this is hard to hear, so let's just go slow, let's talk this out. Uh, but Jesus here quotes the sixth commandment from Exodus 20, verse 13, you shall not murder. And again, this would have been immediately recognizable to his hearers. They would know these commandments well. But what Jesus does here is he takes it even further. So for most of humanity, the sixth commandment is not a problem. Most of us don't have a problem uh, with murder. Uh, but then Jesus opens the door to new depths with this commandment. And he keeps doing this in this sermon of his. He says, it's not just enough to refrain from killing people. But what I'm concerned with was, is, is how you even deal with anger. And, and here's, this, here's a key concept for us in this passage. Here's the crux of Jesus' teaching. 
Having a heart given over to the way of Jesus means that we refrain from even harboring within ourselves or nursing an anger that dehumanizes and devalues another person or that fails to recognize the imago dei, the image of God in another person. Jesus is addressing a very important aspect of what a changed heart looks like in one of his followers. Now, I don't want to take anything away from the unsettling tension of what Jesus is teaching here, but I want to be clear about what the Bible teaches and says about anger. The Bible teaches that anger, for the right reasons, can be appropriate. Look at what it says in Ephesians 4, 25 through 27. What this adds up to, then, is this. No more lies, no more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we are all connected to each other, after all. When you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry. Don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. So, in other words, it's possible to be angry and not sin. Jesus got angry, but Jesus got angry with uh, injustice and oppression and with take systems that take advantage of people. Jesus got angry at the moneylenders who were selling animals in the temple, taking advantage of those who were already poor and in need. You can find that story in Matthew 21 and places like Mark 11. But Jesus preaches against the type of anger that eternally devalues another person for one's own pride and self-interest. You see, we ought to be angry when we hear things like the staggering statistics of human slavery and, and, and sex trafficking. We ought to be angry when people are marginalized and oppressed over things like economic status or where they come from, the color of their skin, or the the devaluing of, of people based on their gender. And we could go on and on. You see, righteous anger always has redemption in mind. But it's the kind of anger that devalues the meaning and worth of another person so much that it, it's, that it seeks that person's destruction. That is so harmful and dangerous. It's the kind of anger that lifts ourselves uh, or our, our pride, our desires over and above another person. So the word that's used for anger in this passage means to be furious with. It's translated in other passages as filled with wrath or consumed by it, controlled by it. If, uh, if this is the state of your heart, Jesus says, well, that's an issue. Yeah, but Jesus, I haven't killed anyone, right? But Jesus says, that's not enough. <laughs> Are you seeing where Jesus is getting at? But then Jesus, uh, he, he makes it really practical for those that are listening. And he says, even if you insult someone, he uses this really particular word. It's translated in the in translation we just read as, an, as idiot. Uh, if you use that, then you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, it says, you're in danger of the fires of hell. So this word that we read translated idiot is the word raka, which means uh, 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 completely empty-headed, foolish, worth nothing, and unlovable. In that culture, it was a very, uh, it was not a good word at all. And it came with this idea that it wasn't just anger, but it was also contempt, disdain, or, or hatred. See, the problem here is that it, it treats another as someone far less than a person created in the image of God. Now that kind of anger spewing from our hearts and mouth is what Jesus is trying to root out. 
It's not just about that we don't murder. It's deeper than that, he's saying to his hearers. It's about how you handle this. So how is your anger? We started this series uh, with a set, a list of cultural beatitudes, and we asked hard spiritual questions like this. We asked, where are you living with misplaced faith? Where are we living with a sense of self-sufficiency? Where are we putting our hope in and earthly powers above that of God? Where are we uh, living with our own version of the way that things should be instead of following the ways of the kingdom of heaven? And we need to ask similarly hard questions about the state of our hearts after hearing the kinds of teaching that Jesus is doing here about things like anger, especially after this difficult and divisive year. So where might you be harboring an anger that devalues a person that could be described as contempt or disdain or maybe even hatred that treats another person as someone far less than being created in the image of God? And Jesus says, don't nurse that type of anger. So pay attention to what God's spirit might be doing in your heart right now. Seeds of anger can be deep and long lasting. So, but, but then here's this turn. Jesus is warning against this type of anger because it's certainly consuming. And he, was, uh, he, he wants something else to be consuming our heart and wants something else to define our lives. And that is love. We are to have hearts that are marked by the transforming love of God, marked by the fact that we want Christ's love and freedom more than we'd want to hold on to our anger. In 1 John 3, 14 through 15, it says this, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. As followers of Jesus, we strive for renewed hearts that work for restored and reconciled relationships rooted in justice and completely immersed in God's grace and love. So how do we deal with our anger? A couple of things. First, we need to desire this change that Jesus is talking about. Uh, we need to continue to seek God and the work of the Holy Spirit. God's grace works to root out sin in our life as we continue to come and confess and surrender to God every day. We have to do all that we can to be growing faithfully with Jesus and the good news that God's grace will help us when we feel like we can't do it on our own. Second, God says that you need to deal with your anger head on and you need to do it right away. This is a very practical step and very good advice. Jesus gives two examples in these next few verses. The examples look different. One is taken from uh, the church and the other uh, is taken from a law court. One concerns our brother and sister and the other talks about it in context of our enemies. In both cases, the basic situation is the same, that somebody has a grievance against somebody else, and the basic lesson is the necessity of immediate and urgent action. In Matthew 5, 23 through 24, it says this, If you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So this is a real practical step of uh, advice. It's real practical holiness right here. Remember that our internal attitudes lead to external actions and that God cares about both. 
So before we come and approach God in worship, before we offer praise, prayer, song, or sacrifice, it says that we're to go to anyone who might have something against us or who we might have something against and to seek reconciliation. <laughs> and is there anything more difficult than deliberately seeking out someone with whom you have had a conflict? This is tough stuff. So what's the point here? Well, uh, why, why does Christ ask us uh, to do this? And it's because that Jesus wants us to have an undivided heart, one heart, a heart wholly offered to God. And if we keep some part of our heart back so that we can hold on to our anger, then God doesn't want uh, our sacrificial offerings. And this is unsettling to hear. Anger can be a destructive force in our lives and in our relationships. So how striking it must have been for those first witnesses to have heard Jesus say, leave your gift at the altar, go work it out with your brother and sister. What a radical concept. Jesus is clearly making a very important point that anger and malice in, one, in one's heart is like a cancer that over time can grow and become deadly to both those who are holding on to the anger and those who, uh, against whom the anger is directed. God has reached out to us with grace in order to bring reconcil reconciliation in our broken relationship with him. And he wants us to do the same with those around us. So here's another way to think about it. From the grace through which we were reconciled with God can flow the grace that we extend to others around us. It's God's grace through us that can make all the difference in things and matters of the heart. So don't let anger be something that is hidden and grows as like a cancer in your heart. Here's uh, some practical advice. You don't have to do this alone. First, I would suggest you talk with someone about the anger that you're dealing with. Have someone help you process it and figure it out. Sharing burdens, others' burdens, can be powerful in working through things like these and, and very helpful in our spiritual life. Get a spiritual director. Join a small group. Get some accountability that will help you follow through in this process. You know, the second example that Jesus uses uh, in the last few verses are in the context of a legal system. Now, our society doesn't operate the same way as Jesus did, so it's a bit difficult to make a comparison here. Our legal system doesn't deal with moral code issues like it did in Jesus' day. However, Jesus is making the comment here that the process of, reconcil of reconciliation is important with brothers and sisters, but it's also important to do that with people that you might consider your enemy as well. And in this example, reconciliation is more important than being proven right in a court setting. This is powerful teaching and it's unsettling, but it's good. God is, is our helper. Uh, the Holy Spirit will guide us and give us the strength that we need. We can help each other along the way as a family of faith. We want to commit to being a family marked by transformed lives and hearts that are fully given over to God. And that means working through things like these issues of anger that we might be dealing with. As followers of Jesus, we strive for renewed hearts that work for restored and reconciled relationships rooted in justice and immersed in God's grace and love. We get to put that on display in a world and in a time where it's desperately needed. I'm thankful for Jesus' 
teaching here, although it's really difficult and it requires some really practical conversations and actions on our part. But the outcome of it will be an undivided heart that is fully given to God and God's grace flowing through us in ways that are powerful and represent what God ultimately did for us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this teaching. Thank you for the way that Jesus is unsettling his hearers back then and unsettling us now as as he convicts us, as the Spirit convicts us, as the Scripture convicts us of places where we might be holding on to things like anger and asks us to take steps to, to reconcile that and to make that a renewed commitment to following your way. So help us. Help us as we work through this. Give us, bring us, help bring people around us that can help uh, help us along the way. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. May your grace be flowing through us uh, as we do our best to be witnesses to the, to the work of the gospel in our lives so that more people may come to know you and your saving grace and your work on the cross. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your teaching. We thank you for your scripture. Uh, we give you all the praise and glory. In your name, amen. Let's continue to worship.